You've heard our open themes with listeners talking about their vocations. New Hampshire shepherdesses love to listen to issues, etc. Or what they're doing while listening to issues, etc. New parents love listening to issues, etc. In the middle of the night. We're looking for more of these elements to include in our open themes. Tell us about your vocation, hobby, or what you do while listening to Issues Etc. Call the Issues Etc. comment line 24-7 at 618-223-8382. If you make a mistake, just start over. 618-223-8382. Thanks for listening, and thanks for contributing to Issues Etc. 618-223-8382. Don't knock the pay for your bags of fudge drowns. Young men are putting themselves six feet in the ground. Cause all this damn country does is keep on kicking them down. Lord, it's a damn shame what the world's gotten to. That is internet People sensation Oliver Anthony singing Rich Men North of Richmond. He seems to have struck a nerve, and his story as well. He has at one time contemplated suicide, and although he does not profess to be a religious man, God comes into his story as well. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc., live on this Wednesday afternoon, August the 16th. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We're going to be talking about media coverage of a record suicide rate in the U.S. It is defying explanation, although... Some media outlets are simply saying, it must be guns. Terry Mattingly will be our guest. We're going to spend some time with Leah Broman of Classical Consultants, talking about classical Lutheran education. Then we'll be responding to your unanswered Bible questions. Pastor Brian Ketchelmeyer and Pastor Brian Wolfmiller will be alongside to give those answers. Terry Mattingly is a senior fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He's founder and editor of Get Religion and author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book Pop Goes Religion. Terry, welcome back. Glad to be here. These rising suicide numbers of people of all ages, all across demographics, even older folks, is this a spiritual issue? Is this a religious story? Well, you know, on one level, let's admit that the initial report about the suicide numbers, journalists kind of show their hand by jumping immediately to what they think the main cause is. I can name three or four things that jump into my mind when I hear numbers like this about suicide, especially the rising number of older people in the AP story itself admits white men in particular have very high rates. The rates are up 7% in people 45 to 64, and more than 8% in people 65 and older. So what's causing this? Well, I have a member of my family who wrote a book on, on suicide causes, prevention, etc., and it's hard to come up with a more complex and dangerous subject to try to attribute cause and effect. But the first thing that jumped in my mind, quite frankly, was opioids. That there are a lot of people out there dying of overdoses in deaths that may not be labeled as suicide, 
but they are certainly deaths of despair, depression, anxiety, etc. And if I was proposing a sidebar, if you weren't going to include it in the original AP story, if I was proposing some research for a sidebar, this could be done with a computer mouse and a good search engine. I would look up the top 10 counties in America for opioid deaths and the top 10 counties for suicide. And then I would look to see if there's any overlap between those two things. And I think the odds are pretty good that you will find overlap. And in that case, I would call up the Yellow Pages or the online version of the Yellow Pages, and I would call some Pentecostal and blue-collar denomination pastors in those regions and ask them what they think of the rising suicide numbers. And I predict you would get some very sharp opinions, some very strong quotations, and I predict God, Satan, and a lot of other topics would come up in, I think it's just openly, it's got to be more than a medical and political situation here for many, many, many of these people. The Associated Press, under the headline, has a story on these, the suicide rates. U.S. suicides hit at all-time high last year. What did you make of their particular coverage? Well, it's what I just said. When, when you get a release that gives you a blast of data like this, you're sitting there looking at one or two sheets of information, numbers, black and white stuff on a page, and you immediately say to yourself, what is this story all about? Because that's going to determine who are the first people that you call. And the first people that you call stand a very good chance of being among the main quotes that are going to go in this. In this case, I mean, you're not going to be surprised. You looked at the prestigious organizations of the American Northeast, and you you look up the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. That's a logical one, and I would be the first to say that's totally appropriate. Then you look up John Hopkins University, and pretty quickly they say, well, the main thing that they see in these numbers is a rising availability of guns and a rising number of suicides with guns. And I'll be honest with you, I think that would be one of the three or four things that I would include in a story because gun suicides are fatal way more often than others. And frankly, if you looked at urban suicides, handguns are going to be a constant in that, I would imagine. But I suspect that when you do what I said earlier, if you take the top 10 counties for opioid deaths that are not suicides, but in many ways may as well be, and then you look at the top 10 counties for suicides and you look for any overlap, I predict you're going to find an area where gun culture has existed for generations. 
but that doesn't automatically mean that those people have turned the guns on themselves. So I guess I'm not offended or angry that AP included the gun angle in this story. I think it's absolutely amazing that that is the only angle that they pursued in light of what's happened in our country, let's say the last three to four years in terms of the skyrocketing numbers of cases of anxiety and drugs being used to fight mental health problems, <laughs> legally or illegally. I, I'm just amazed that that's the only place they went, that those were the only search engine topics they probed, and those were the only phone calls that they made. So a valid angle, but there are at least three or four others that I think are just as important. And this, we're not going to emphasize Richmond's song, although if you read through the lyrics of that song, you're going to see all of the issues we're talking about mentioned in this song that just went powerfully, instantly viral. When you say you're putting young men in the ground six feet under, the song doesn't say how they got there, but the implication is suicide. The implication is depression, the anxiety. There certainly are references to alcohol because that's the singer's own story. And I can, you know, I have a whole list here of things that come up in this song that I think would be valid to ask about in a story related to rising numbers and suicide. I live in Southern Appalachia. I live in one of the strangest cities in Southern Appalachia, Oak Ridge, Tennessee, which with the presence of the Oak Ridge National Laboratory is said to have the highest ratio of PhDs per capita of any town in the size in America. But at the same time, we're surrounded by opioid country. We're surrounded by, oh man, horrible rates of underemployment. And I think the song alludes to the fact that underemployment in some ways can be just as depressing or not more depressing than unemployment. Working hours after hours, I mean, just to give you one example, a connection to a, a young man here in Oak Ridge who his wife had run off and left him. So he's home with his children two or three children, young children. And under our Obamacare health insurance laws, he has to provide health care insurance. So here he is. He can't land a job with that's full-time and with benefits because those jobs are all vanishing because it's too expensive for many of the service industry people to offer health care because it costs too much. So here's this guy, and you could take this right, it could be another verse in this song. Here's this single parent running from one job to another. He had three jobs all simultaneously, none of them with benefits. He's pouring a lot of his money into health care and daycare and just working himself to death would be the analogy we would draw. Well, is that a factor in suicide? Is that a factor in, well, I guess what we could call unintentional suicides, drinking yourself to death 
doesn't show up in the suicide statistics. Most of the opioid overdoses are exactly that, overdoses. They're not going to show up in the suicide numbers. But if you start adding those things together, you see a bigger picture. And I don't know how you deny that there isn't some sort of cultural, moral, and religious component in that larger story. So how does an AP story, this isn't just a blurb, this is a full-blown story with yeah. all kinds of quotations from various people, and it has to be vetted by a number of yes. editors. How does it get past the editors with only offering one explanation, a valid explanation, but not the whole explanation for this tragic story? Well, there's an old saying about media bias that you don't need conspiracy theories when almost everyone in that newsroom comes from the same economic and educational background. And this is where the phrase forget religion came from. They just don't get it. They have a tendency, just as I would be the first to admit, that when I look at this kind of story, I see it through religion beat lenses, because that's what I am. And if you assigned this story to two reporters, one of them political and the other a religion beat specialist, you would probably get a more complex story. As you've heard me say many times, most of the horrible mistakes, ghosts, the voids, the inaccuracies, the twists that we see in coverage involving religion are not done by religion beat reporters. They're done by other people in the newsroom, alas, frequently political desk people, professionals, that get assigned to covering the story that has what I would consider obvious religious overtones, and all you get is the political interpretation of it. And in this particular story, handguns, or just guns in general, are a valid angle related to suicide numbers, but it's not the only thing that would come up if you had a number of reporters from a diverse set of backgrounds, let alone from different parts of the country. We've all been reading lately the growing evidence that the people who lead and staff, well, this was the um, New York Times column the other day, that I think we just talked about it the other day, that basically said, don't forget the degree to which the most powerful 10 to 12 schools in America now dominate the most elite newsrooms. And David Brooks is right to bring that up. It affects the lens through which you see stories. All of the things I have seen written about the 216 election when the press just couldn't understand how in the world they missed that election, you know, whatever you think of the election, how could they have missed what was happening? And it had to do with the fact that they were viewing it from a very specific set of zip codes, and almost all the people were looking at that, that story through the same set of cultural lenses. Thus, the blind spots were all aligned. I'm old enough to remember the books written about the elections of Richard Nixon. There was a famous quote from an anonymous journalist in a New York City newsroom. And someone said, well, how did this happen? I don't know anyone who voted for Richard Nixon. And there you go. So once again, I don't want to turn this into politics. The point of that 
is that when you don't have a diverse set of people working on a story, it can sail right through the reporters and then right past the editors, and nobody stops and think, wait a minute, haven't I read about 50 stories this year about skyrocketing levels of anxiety, depression, treating mental health conditions with various kinds of drugs? Haven't I read stories about rising opioid deaths? Maybe some of these things are connected. And if so, we need a more diverse team of journalists writing and editing stories such as this. And that certainly needs to be true in the follow-up. And I guarantee you, this story deserves a follow-up report. Terry Mattingly is our guest. We're talking about media coverage of record suicide rates in the U.S. On the other side, what are some of the religious overtones to this story? I think satire and humor are worth defending. I think free speech is worth defending, and I think it's a tool that we need to use in the church. Kyle Mann of the Babylon Bee, speaking at the 2023 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. Humor is our tool. Humor is something that God created. The left just co-opted it for all the terrible comedies and stuff that you see and all the vulgar stuff coming out of Hollywood. It's ours, and we're going to reclaim it, and I think that's one of the, one of the missions of the Babylon Bee. The left wants to take down humor. The left demands that things that mock them and point out how ridiculous they are being get torn down. But we're just going to keep answering that with more and more humor. And I think it starts here. It starts in the church. We need to be able to laugh at ourselves. You can watch and listen to a recording of Kyle Mann's presentation, Making the Case Against Cancel Culture, from this year's Making the Case Conference. For a donation of $300, you can download an audio and video recording. Learn more at issuesetc.org. Listen to what you want, when you want. You're listening to Issues Etc. Memoria Press is a family-run publisher of classical Christian education materials for homeschools and private schools. Every page of the Memoria Press curriculum leads students to a mastery of content, an understanding of the classical heritage of the Christian West, and an appreciation of truth, goodness, and beauty. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. memoriapress.com. Register today. The 2023 Lutherans for Life National Conference is October 11th through the 13th at the Holiday Inn Cincinnati Airport in Erlanger, Kentucky. The conference includes visits to the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum. Online registration is open now with early bird pricing at lutheransforlife.org conference. Lutherans for Life, equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life. lutheransforlife.org Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about media coverage of record suicide rates in the U.S. Terry Mattingly is our guest, senior fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi, founder and editor of Get Religion and author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate, 
and the book Pop Goes Religion. So, Terry, the song by Oliver Anthony that we've referenced here several times, if you look at the lyrics, a really, really bleak song. There's no bridge to a happier outcome in this song. Mm -hmm. It's a lament is what it is, kind of a quintessential American lament. What are some of the themes in there that you think, it starts out with selling my soul, sounds kind of religious to me, yeah. even though, again, for full disclosure, Anthony does not claim to be a religious man. Well, he doesn't claim to be a religious man, but he also said that right at the moment of contemplating suicide, he prayed to God, please don't let me waste my life. Please let something happen to me. Please help me climb out of this. And that's a pretty, maybe he's a none of the above when it comes to what denomination he is or isn't a part of, but he believes his prayer has been answered and he's opening his concerts now with reading from the Psalms and reading, uh, once again, he's not a guy that you can politically stereotype unless you want to. The story is dominated by economic issues that you would call populist in a previous age. And there was a time when the Democratic Party was the party of Southern populism and Appalachia. And that's what this guy is. And there's a reference that's blown up in the press. There's a reference in the story to obesity and sitting on a couch, taking your welfare checks and eating chocolate cookies or chocolate candy. And some people have even said that that's a kind of a Reagan-esque way of raising a racial issue. Those are not people who probably read J.D. Vance's best-selling book, Hillbilly Elegy, you know, which helped drive him to where he is now, which is in the U.S. Senate. And if you know anything about welfare and welfare-related issues in Southern Appalachia, you know that that is just as much a depressed, broken, white family issue as it is any kind of issue that has to do with race. And the opioid issue is predominantly a, a rural, poverty, white issue. And that's what this song is about. It sounds like it's from Appalachia, and it reads like it's from Appalachia, and you hear this man's story, and it is from Appalachia. And that used to be called country music, but it's not what you're going to hear at a Taylor Swift concert anytime soon. So he, he's raised a number of issues in the, in the song that are guaranteed to get it a lot of ink. And... I frankly think people should be talking about depression, underemployment, broken families, and the things that dominate the song. And if they want to make a reference to the welfare issue, they've got to put it in a Southern Appalachian context, because that's where it is in the song. And then, yeah, he raises Jeffrey Epstein in here with an illusion. I wish politicians would look out for minors with an E, M-I-N-E-R-S, and not just for minors, M-I-N-O-R-S, on an island somewhere. Well, the whole topic right now of human trafficking has blown up for a lot of different reasons, with conspiracy theories about Democrats and all that other stuff. But I think it is ringing a bell in large parts of America because 
people think of this sort of abuse of children as a vision from hell. Also, the fact that this song drew rave comments in social media, talk radio, YouTube, etc., from conservative commentaries makes this to some degree a topic that's defined by this singer having all the wrong champions. In other words, if right-wingers champion this song, that makes it really easy to ignore that it's full of the kind of populist, blue-collar, hard-earned dollar, red clay, poverty issues that used to be the stuff of Democratic voting campaigns in these very states where the Democratic Party used to dominate. So if the suicide numbers turn into strictly a political issue, we're going to have the same situation all over again, where the press doesn't hear the cries, quite literally, of half of the country. And anyone who has been touched, like my own church has recently here in Southern Appalachia, by an opioid death, a sudden opioid death of a young mother, if you'd look into these stories, these involve politics and political issues and cultural issues and moral issues and social issues and family issues and religious issues and medical issues, all of this. It's one stew pot of gumbo. And if you just look at it through the political lens, you're blind to what's going on in this story. The suicide numbers or the reaction of a large part of America to the song. What are some of the religious overtones to the story of these record suicide rates in the U.S.? Well, I was reading the other day on Twitter, following the Center for Family Studies at University of Virginia, that the single greatest indicator of happiness and contentment in American life is an unbroken home and a solid marriage. And yet if you look at the collapsing numbers for marriage formation for young adults in our culture, especially blue-collar men, I think it's pretty easy to see some links there between depression, and from depression you head to suicide. But in the case of this particular singer, we're dealing with someone who is a parent and has children and is selling my soul working all day. That that's the story of his life. And that was his story, drag back home and drown my troubles away. Obvious link there to alcoholism. The line that hit me also was, wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is, oh, it is, living in the new world with an old soul. And to some degree, I think a lot of the depression stories, at least in my part of America, a lot of the depression stories are sensing that you don't have any road out. You don't have any way to get out of it. And I would say that is a moral, cultural, and spiritual issue. Once again, listeners, if someone were to do what I would suggest they do, search for the top 10 counties for suicide 
and the top 10 counties for opioid overdoses in America. If you called up blue-collar pastors, Pentecostal pastors, black and white, Latino, all of them, call those people up and ask them what they think about the suicide numbers and their rise and the religion angles are going to come up immediately. So this is obviously a story that's not going away because these rates do not appear to be on the way down anytime soon. And if what you've been saying here in the course of our conversation, the circumstances that have contributed to the rising rates also don't seem to be going away anytime soon, how should, say, the AP follow up on this? I would call up the Associated Press. I won't get into names. I will call up the fabulous lead religion reporter for the Associated Press, someone has, who has spent a large part of his career in Kentucky, a state, I don't think he lived and worked in Appalachia, but let's put it this way, it's within shouting distance, both of the worst, hardest hit parts of Ohio and some of the hardest part hits of Kentucky. And across the border there, you have West Virginia and coal miners are referenced in the song we've been talking about. Call up the religion desk and say, would you do a story on what religious leaders, left and right, conservative and liberal, black and white, call up and do us a story on what clergy, especially in blue-collar America, I mean, don't call the Harvard, Harvard Divinity School. Call some people who work in blue-collar America. Call the denominations, the Church of God in Christ, the Assemblies of God, non-denominational Pentecostal. Call the churches that thrive and minister in these troubled regions. Call up some pastors and write us a follow-up story. It's just that simple. Look at the numbers through a different set of lenses and do some journalism. It's easy if you want to do it. Terry Mattingly is Senior Fellow at the Overby Center for Southern Journalism and Politics at the University of Mississippi. He is founder and editor of Get Religion and author of the weekly On Religion column for the Universal Syndicate and the book, Pop Goes Religion. Terry, thank you very much. Glad to be here. When we return on this Wednesday, August the 16th, Classical Lutheran Education, we'll have a conversation with Leah Broman of Classical Consultants. The Church's Music from the 20th Century. The 17th Century. The 11th Century. century. The 
the 4th century. The best of the church's music from the past 2,000 years. LutheranPublicRadio.org Essential exercise for the Christian mind. You're listening to Issues Etc. This fall in creation is bested by tornado, hurricane, flood, pandemic, and more. LCMS Disaster Response helps our congregations, their pastors, and other church workers to reach out to their members and neighbors with mercy, which flows from Christ's altar. We offer quality volunteer training, help for congregational readiness and response, and disaster grant funding. To learn more, visit lcms.org disaster. That's lcms.org disaster. It's commonly said that heresies are 90% truth and only 10% wrong, but it's the 10% that subverts all of Christian doctrine and all of Christian teaching by the essential errors that they promote. Well, if you're wondering about heresies, both ancient and modern, you should pick up a copy of the August issue of The Lutheran Witness, where we talk about these heresies, their ancient roots, and how to mark and avoid them. Visit cph.org witness to subscribe or learn more at our website, witness.lsms.org. Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Dr. Russell Dawn, President of Concordia University, Chicago. Indeed, the quest for truth is at the core of a university's purpose. The liberal arts, illuminated by the revealed truths of Scripture, are powerful for equipping students for a life of self-governance. A disciple is one who follows the Master. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? He said that it means to take up one's cross The cross is thus the symbol of dying for others, of dying to self for the sake of serving others. And a life of service is a life well-lived. Truth, Freedom, Vocation, Concordia University, Chicago, cuchicago.edu.